Monday matinees begin right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Soul Twin Audios, stories created solely with a vintage soul in mind. Modern day era driving you up a wall. Time travel not likely in your future? Then follow me for a healthy offering of yesteryear with old time radio theater. Your remedy for unwanted 21st century pain. O-T-R-T-S-T-A. What story can I connect you with today? Huh? Who are you? What happened to the original O-T-R-T-S-T-A operator? Oh, you mean, uh, well, she moved on to another show. Some sort of behind-the-scenes talk series. Never mind. So I'm looking for something special out of the suspense catalog. Something unusual. Oh, ooh, a murder mystery. Maybe by John Dixon Carr? Soul Twin Audios presents another lost episode from Suspense. The Phantom Archer by John Dixon Carr, starring Theodore Perez. Such a mysterious, unusual crime. Such an extraordinary way to commit a murder. In London homes everywhere, people were reading about it in the newspapers. St. Ives, Cornwell, July 15th, 1938. Harriet, Lady Drew, elderly widow of the late Sir George Drew, was mysteriously slain tonight at St. Ives Castle on an island off the Cornish coast. The means of death is said to be... Would you stop moving the paper? I can't read it. An arrow. An arrow? An arrow fired from the end of the portrait gallery and in the presence of two witnesses. Historic St. Ives Castle, though still the property of the Drew family, is no longer lived in. It has been converted into a public museum. And is in charge of two caretakers who were witnesses to the killing... But both witnesses swear... Well, what's next? Both witnesses swear that the arrow was fired by no human hand. In the red sunset of one evening a week later... The Cornish coast looms dim and forbidding as two men walk out on the little pier that juts into the steel-dark sea. 
A motorboat is waiting there. One of the men is young and puzzled. The other is stout and elderly and carries a briefcase. And as they meet suddenly at the end of the pier... Excuse me, sir. Are you going to St. Ives Castle too? I am, young man. May I ask, if you're related to the family? Uh, Not exactly, but let me see if I can make a guess as to who you are. Well, sir? You're Christopher Drew, Lady Drew's nephew. She sent you packing off to America fifteen odd years ago. That's right. But you... Take a good look and see if you don't remember. (laughs) Good lord! Because it's in one. I'm old Charlie Norman, family solicitor. A little stouter, a little grayer, but the same person you used to devil years ago. Look, Mr. Norman, I took the first ship from New York as soon as I got your cable. But what I want to know is... The boat's ready. The boatman seems to be getting impatient, Chris. You'd better jump in. Right. Can you manage? I'm not quite as unwieldy as that, thanks. We're in, old man. Let her rip. You know, Chris, you were a young limb of Satan in those days. I liked doing things. Don't we all? I mean, I liked tinkering with things. Bells and locks and toy planes and all that. I'm an aircraft designer now. But with that suit, Aunt Harriet? Oh, no. I had to be a lawyer. I beg you pardon, Mr. Norman. (laughs) That's all right, Chris. A lawyer is always the first to be sworn at and the last to be paid. So you and Lady Drew parted company? When I was barely more than a kid, yes. And I gather you're not exactly glad to be back. Would you be? Look out there! I see it. Same old, desolate, rocky island, with the surf boiling over it. As a matter of fact, there's a bad surf boiling now. I hope we can make the landing stage. Same old shell of a castle. Towers and battlements and slimy walls, up against an ugly red sky. It was bad enough when we lived there, before the place was turned into a museum. But now... Tell me, Mr. Norman, is Professor Ballard still the caretaker? Oh, yes, the Professor is still there. (sighs) Why a cultured old sod like that would want to bury himself, just to take care of the so-called true treasures... You remember Professor Ballard? I do. Very well. He used to own a parrot named Caesar. Oh, yes. Caesar's still alive. (laughs) I used to throw water over that parrot to make it swear. Oh, yes. Professor Ballard had a daughter. You mean Sally? That's it. Sally. Scrawny, long-legged kid. I used to pity her. She was so ugly. She was so ugly, you say? Yes. I pitied her for having to live in a place where you always imagined something was following you along the halls. And might tap you on the shoulder one night when you went upstairs. You were rather a nervous kid, weren't you? I don't know. 
but I didn't like it. Even now, when we come near the place, I have a feeling I might be getting into a ghost story. As a matter of fact, Chris, you already have... Have what? Got into a ghost story. <laughs> now look, Mr. Norman. Haven't you seen the London newspapers? No. I've just come straight from Southampton. Then you don't know how your aunt died? That's what I've been trying to ask you. Just a minute, Chris. Boatman, do you think we can get through to the landing stage? Easy, sir. We'll be through the jetty and into calm water and half a tick. Hold tight. That's better. Just one more thing, Mr. Norman. I don't have to stay at the castle, do I? Would certainly be advisable, Chris. Uh, Till the estate is wound up. You are the heir. But I don't want the old shrew's money. Or those art treasures, either. All the same, Professor Ballard and I have to make an accounting to you. I don't doubt your honesty. That's not the point, Chris. And as for staying at the castle... I'll stay there one night out of, well, call it respect, but not an hour longer. I tell you, sir, I wouldn't stay another night at this place if, if, oh, hello. Anything wrong? Who is that, standing on the pier with a lantern in her hand? Just about the prettiest girl I ever saw. That's Chris. Is the scrawny, long-legged kid. Not Sally Ballard. The very same. She looks scared half to death. She is scared half to death. Now, take it easy, Sally. It's all right. Mr. Norman, I'm so glad you're here. I could break down and cry. Maybe I will. There's nothing to be afraid of now. Sally, this is... I can guess... You're Christopher Drew, aren't you? I'd have known you anywhere. That's more than Chris could have said. Never mind that. Give me the lantern, Sally. Your hand is shaking. Is it? I suppose it is. Yes. And what are you doing in this wind without your hat or coat? I'm afraid to stay in the castle. I'm afraid I might hear it again. Hear what? I wish I could describe the sound to you. It's a sound like... The bowstring twangs, and the arrow sticks in the door, and then the parrot screams. But when you go to look, nobody's there. Wait a minute. What is all this? The Phantom Archer. <laughs> Phantom Archer? That's the newspaper, sobriquet. But, Sally, what about the police? Aren't they here to see nothing else happens? The police have gone. Gone? Yes, There's nobody here but my father and old Maggie, who does the cooking and cleaning. How is your father, Sally? He's well enough for a man over 70, except that his eyesight is going. And he broods over all this, Mr. Drew. Uh, Chris is the name, Sally. It always used to be. All right, Chris. It is nice to see you again. That's better. You may not know it, Chris, but your aunt was thinking of selling the castle to a millionaire named Mr. Singleton. 
who wanted to tear it down and put up a summer residence on the island. I don't think my father could have stood that. This castle is his whole life. That's true, Chris. Well, now that you're the owner, are you planning to sell it off? My dear Sally, you can keep the place. Or tear it down. Or do anything you like with it. But I... Yes, Chris? I shouldn't think you'd like to live here. Like to live here? With death? Striking out of the dark? Before you can even move a finger? Striking out of the dark? From where? People can go mad when they're alone. They don't go mad when they have friends with them. I can face it now. Come along. I'll show you. Take care how you walk now. Walls and towers and battlements whipped by the east wind. Twisting staircases that once echoed to the clank of armor. And a hundred lightless rooms. True, the castle is supplied with electricity from its own power plant. But only a few of the rooms, the show places, have even that life, which is the life of death. In the core of all this damp stone is the sitting room of Professor Ballard and his daughter. A pleasant room, furnished in modern style despite its stone floor. First of all, as we approach, you might notice the ancient parrot, its cage swung from the ceiling, and... This is our sitting room, Chris. Mr. Norman knows it well. (coughs) Good Lord! What is that? Quiet, Caesar. Same old parrot, I notice. (laughs) Do you remember how you used to throw water over him, Chris, and imitate him? He's got a wicked-looking eye, that parrot. Doesn't Caesar get on your nerves, Sally? He never used to. He does now. That's what I was going to tell you. You see that big door over there? Well? Do you remember what that door leads to? Hmm. Let me get my bearings for a second. Yes. That door leads into the portrait gallery, yes? Yes. And do you remember what the portrait gallery looks like? Well... uh, Do you? It used to be a long, narrow room, without any windows, and only this one door. Pictures hung up on each side. Including a Rubens, a Rembrandt, and a Van Dyke. Please, Mr. Norman. I'm sorry, my dear. Finally, do you remember what used to stand at the other end of the narrow gallery facing this door? Now, wait a minute. That's going too far. What is... Mr. Norman, she's talking about a wooden figure. A dummy. It was dressed up as a medieval archer. It used to stand on the other end of the gallery. It had a bent bow with an arrow on the string. You're not going to tell me that blasted dummy started firing arrows. Cesarit's flash! Cesarit's flash! Cesarit's flash! (laughs) Throw the cloth over his cage, Sally. I ought to quiet him down. There, Caesar, now be quiet. But what I want to know is... One night, about two weeks ago, I was sitting in here alone. Father had gone to bed... I... Go on. The door to the portrait gallery was, of course, locked. It's got a rather elaborate lock, because the paintings are so valuable, and Father has the only key. Well? That was when I heard the sound. 
if I could describe it to you, it would sound like a twang. And Caesar screamed, and I... I don't know why. I was so terrified I couldn't move. I knew there couldn't be anyone in the portrait gallery, but I didn't dare open the door to see. What did you do? Nothing. I didn't say anything about it. But the next morning, when we opened the door... The next morning, Chris, there was no arrow on the bowstring of the wooden dummy. The arrow was buried in the door forty feet away. Now look, that is impossible. It's true, though. And it happened on three successive nights. Some local paper got hold of the story. Finally, my father telegraphed to Lady Drew, and on the night of the murder... Oh, just a moment, please. Anything wrong? No, but I think I hear my father coming. Hello, father. Hello, my dear. I... I heard voices, but I wasn't aware we had visitors. Who are these gentlemen? You surely know me, Professor Ballard. And this is Chris Drew, father, the new owner. Indeed. And he's not going to sell the castle to Mr. Singleton after all. Let me help you across to the chair. Thank you, Sally. But I'm not quite as blind as all that. Christopher Drew, eh? That's right, sir. I was afraid it might be our friends, the police. Back again. It is one thing to have a suspicious mind, and quite another to be paid to have one. Still, I suppose they must do their duty. Fiat justita, ruat colium. I think I will have that chair. Here you are, Father. I was just telling them how you telegraphed to Lady Drew, and how she came down here. Oh, the night of the murder, yes. I can tell you everything that happened that night. Father and I were in this room when Lady Drew came storming in here. You remember what a strong-minded person she was, Chris. No nerves or nonsense about her. In she came with her umbrella and that funny hat of hers. Well, if you would allow me to explain, Lady Drew, I... I don't want explanations, Professor Ballard. I want an end to this Tommy rot. <laughs> Hasn't somebody strangled that parrot yet? I'll take this umbrella to you, you beastly little... Please, Lady Drew, Caesar doesn't mean any harm. Neither do I, my girl. But I very often do harm. I can easily believe your ladyship. Ghosts in the portrait gallery. <laughs> Wooden dummies firing arrows. Never heard of such stuff and nonsense in all my born days. It is not really necessary, Lady Drew, to keep hammering the ferrule of that umbrella on the floor. It is necessary, if I think it's necessary. And it's easy enough to see what's happened here. Somebody's playing a trick on you. Yes, I already thought of that. You had? Father prides himself on his detective wits, Lady Drew. You have to have that quality, you know, to be a decent research historian. But, but a trick? How? Oh, some contraption rigged up to fire an arrow when nobody's there. Father thought of that too, only it won't work. <laughs> be quiet, Caesar. My daughter is quite right, Lady Drew. The wooden figure is a wooden figure, without any mechanism inside or out. The rest of the gallery is as bare as your hand. But what makes you so certain? 
This is a trick. Because there's somebody hiding in this castle. What? I saw him dodge around the corner of the stairs just outside the armor hall. And a nasty, ugly look he had, too. You must be mistaken, Lady Drew. There's nobody here except myself, my daughter, and old Maggie, who does the cooking and the cleaning. I know what I know, Professor Ballard. Have you the key to that portrait gallery? Of course. Give it to me, please. Don't go in there, Lady Drew. Don't do it. And why not? Because, because this is the time the arrow is usually fired. And when you open that door, you'll be facing the archer 40 feet away. <laughs> you mean I might get an arrow in my neck? Yes, you might. I've had just about enough of this. Professor Ballard? Yes, Lady Drew? You don't believe this Tommy Rot, do you? I have no belief in the supernatural, if that's what you mean. At the same time... Will you give me the key? If you insist. Then hand it over. One question, please, before I do. Are you still determined to sell this castle to Mr. Singleton? Naturally. I told you so. Then here's your key. Oh, no, you don't. You're coming with me, both of you. You take that key, Professor Ballard, and you open the door for me. Just as you like. It isn't enough, oh, no, to have me worried out of my mind with rates and taxes that would ruin Croesus. This has to happen on top of it and maybe spoil a good sale. Will you open that door so I can go in? Certainly. Stand to one side, Father. Please, stand to one side. Will you go first, Lady Drew? Yes, I will. And don't think I won't. As you know, this part of the castle dates back to the 12th century. Father! What's wrong? The lights have gone out. Oh, no. Lady Drew! Lady Drew! We were all so shocked we couldn't move, Chris. But, well, what happened then? Twenty seconds later, the lights went back on again. Well? Lady Drew had been shot through the chest with an arrow. She was lying across the threshold, already speechless and dying. But there was nobody in the portrait gallery. Excuse me, Sally, but... Yes, Mr Norman? I've been over the evidence many times, of course. All the same, are you sure there was nobody in the gallery? Absolutely sure. Why, Sally? As soon as Lady Drew was hit, Father moved over and stood in front of the door. Nobody came out, and the lights went on twenty seconds later. Isn't that true, Father? Hey, Sally, what's wrong with your father? He's sitting at the table with his hand shading his eyes, as though he were a million miles away. He is a million miles away in his own thoughts. Father! Uh, yes, my dear? Isn't it true there was nobody in the portrait gallery after Lady Drew was shot? Oh, yes, Sally, that's true enough. Then how in all blazes was Aunt Harriet killed? That, Chris, is what the police want to know. Speaking as a mere lawyer, I'm a little out of my depth. 
If Professor Ballard has any ideas... I beg your pardon for my discourtesy, gentlemen. I was merely sitting here thinking about the nature of the evidence and the curious ways the mind can be misled... Misled, father? ...into error and into great crime. Yes, but... I was wondering, if you will forgive me, whether this young man is really Christopher Drew. Father! Great Scott! Sir, you don't think I'm an imposter. Your own daughter can identify me. So can Mr. Norman. At the same time, I move in and out of a world of visual shadows, and I have a great trust to hand over before I speak. Before you speak? I should prefer some more formal identification of Mr. Drew. A passport, for instance. I have a passport. May I see it, please? Thank you. This isn't necessary, is it? No, it is all correct. A photograph, a fingerprint, height, age, weight, landed Southampton July 1st, an immigration stamp. You are Christopher True. I have here the keys to all the inhabited parts of the castle. I take great pleasure in turning them over to you. Hmm. Tell me, sir, is the key to the portrait gallery among them? It is. Which key is it, Professor Ballard? Chris, what are you going to do? I think I can guess. But do you think it's wise? You can't tell me. Arrows can be fired out of empty air. Either Aunt Harriet was killed by some mechanical contrivance rigged up in there. On my solemn word of honor, Mr. Drew, there was nothing of the kind. Or else she was killed by a ghost. And I'm going to find out which. Mr. Norman? Yes, Chris? We might have the conditions as they were before. Would you mind taking the cover off the parrot's cage? I'm a sensible man. I'm a practical man. But I still don't like this. If... Would you mind, Mr. Norman? Uh, if you insist. Uh, but... You're a thief! You're a thief! You're a thief! Why do you jump back, Mr. Norman? You're not a thief, are you? Uh, no, of course not. But this infernal bird gets on my nerves even more than its musket on yours. It's got the eye of a rattlesnake and the face of a mummified pharaoh. Maybe Caesar knows the truth. Maybe he does. But we won't count on it. Which is the key to the portrait gallery, Professor Ballard? Don't do it, Chris. Don't do it. This is the key. Mr. Drew. Then stand back, everybody. And let's have a look at the ogre's den. If any wooden dummy starts shooting arrows at me, you can call the wagon for the loony bin. Chris, please, don't do it. Just one moment, please. Yes, Professor Ballard? It will not be necessary to expose yourself to any danger. No? Why not? Because I should prefer to... Tell you who killed Lady Drew and how it was done. You know? My dear Mr. Norman, there is one obvious question for the research student, or detective if you prefer, to ask himself in this matter. That question is, why the lights went out before Lady Drew was killed? 
and on again 20 seconds later. Well, why did they? They were extinguished because someone pulled out the switch of the fuse box, which is just outside the door of this room. They went back on again because someone threw back the switch 20 seconds later. Someone? Yes, someone. That's all very well, Father, but it doesn't tell us anything. You think not, my dear? It certainly doesn't tell us, for instance, who fired an arrow from the portrait gallery. There was never an arrow fired from the portrait gallery. What? On what ground, Sally, do you assume that there was... Did you hear any sound of the bowstring? Uh, well, no, I didn't. Hmm, why not? Because just at that moment, just as Lady Drew was going in, Caesar... <coughs> like that. Very convenient for the murderer, wasn't it? Not convenient. Arranged. Go on, Professor Ballard. Let me repeat. Why do you assume an arrow was fired from the gallery? Simply because on three consecutive nights, an arrow had been fired in there by someone who detached the bow from the dummy figure and aimed at a locked door? But somebody had to get into the gallery to do that. Of course. With a key, for instance. Like mine. But father? Look here, sir. Do you know what you're saying? I'm saying that our minds were prepared for it. We expected it. When Lady Drew was struck down by an arrow in the dark, we assumed that the arrow had been fired from the gallery. Of course, the arrow was never fired at all. Never fired at all? Does it surprise you, Mr. Norman? Very much. That arrow, you see, was in the hands of the murderer. It was used like a dagger. When those lights were out, the murderer simply caught Lady Drew from behind and drove the arrow into her chest. Dying rot! Dying rot! Dying rot! It was all over in less than twenty seconds, much less. See here, Professor Ballard. Are you confessing to this murder? I? Confessing to this murder? <laughs> Sir, you amuse me. But you must be accusing somebody. Does Mr. Norman forget as easily as that? Forget what? Does he forget, for instance, the man who was hiding here in the castle? The man seen by Lady Drew herself? You're a thief! You're a thief! You're a thief! Are you accusing me? Sally, my dear, I have trained you well. Can't you use your reason even yet? But I, I don't see. I am accusing the man who liked to tinker with locks and could have made a key like mine. I am accusing the man who could and did imitate Caesar to cover any absent noise of a bowstring. You mean? I am accusing the man who claims to have arrived in England only today, though his passport stamp... Look at it. Bears the date of July 1st, two weeks before the murder. I am accusing... Chris Drew! You wanted the money. You killed that old woman yourself.
You've been listening to Soul Twin Audio's special recreation of Suspense's lost episode, The Phantom Archer, which originally aired on March 9, 1943. Our production featured the voice talent of Theodore Perez as Christopher Drew, Caleb Bressler as Charles Norman and Man 2, Justin Fife as Professor Ballard, Man 1 and the Boatman, Nicole Beharro as Sally Ballard, Tanya Rich as Lady Drew, and Sharon Grunwald as Caesar the Parrot and the Woman. The reimagined suspense theme was composed and performed by David Krause. The Soul Twin Audio's theme and all incidental music was composed and performed by Ross Bernhardt with sound effects by freesound.org. Old Time Radio Theater is a Soul Twin Audio's production created by Rachel Pulliam. This is Dean T. Moody, your announcer. Thank you for listening. You start with an idea, a what-if. Then you populate this idea with characters. Heroic, cowardly, dramatic, humorous, scheming, clueless, as many as you want. Then you stir them briskly in a plot that turns this way and that until a satisfying ending is achieved. You've just written an audio drama. The challenge is, can you write one and finish it before the end of February? That's the challenge of National Audio Drama Script Writing Month. So get busy. For details, go online to sonicsociety.org slash nadsrum. That's N for national, A for audio, D for drama, S for script, W-R-I for writing, and M for month. Don't ask me why writing is represented with three letters. I didn't come up with it. But maybe I could write an audio drama explaining why. Hmm...